Welcome to the Lojo Show. I am your host, Lovature Jones. I have over 21 years of cybersecurity experience, and I am honored to be able to bring some of that experience to you. Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of our exclusive series with Katie Arrington. We have given Katie a platform to let loose and let us know what the real deal is. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes with Katie, I highly recommend you go and give that a listen. Katie continues to give us the on-the-ground perspective within the Department of Defense. The statements of our guests are their own and are not reflective on the opinions of the host or our sponsors. We are very excited to continue this series. Please join us for this fantastic episode. We hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back to the Lojo Show, everyone. I have Katie Arrington here again. We're here today. We're going to discuss a couple of really hot topics here. So we have, um, you know, several things that have happened over the last couple of months here that have been uh, pivotal in security as well as in how our DoD and other government functions and stuff too want to approach security and continue to one increase the compliance, you know, with uh, with our with our federal regulations, but also from there on how to you continue to really fight the good fight and stuff too when it comes to uh, information breaches and stuff in our largest companies uh, as well as within our you know public works and uh, and and states. So having Katie on again, always an honor. Um, let's go ahead and jump right into this. Uh, so, so Lojo, I look at like these, like I was people are listening to the podcast. These are just two people that just sit around like prior to getting on the podcast for everybody listening. Um, we talked for 15 minutes, the stuff that we said beforehand, I hope we can recapture because we just love talking about this stuff. It's, it's so, it, it's so you couldn't write a Tom Clancy novel about this stuff or could you? Maybe that's what we should do next, Lojo. That might be what we should do next. I mean, because that uh, that novel would have several dimensions to it. It would. You know what? You're absolutely right. Totally go off like a Tom Clancy novel, maybe even two. It's could you? So what we're talking about today could be right. Did you ever watch the movie? It's too big to fail. Yes. It was about okay. Yep. This this discussion today, the first part of this discussion, could be a total movie. Had to hide the breach. absolutely yeah it is it's uh i mean you got the chance to watch some of the you know some of the some of the proceedings and stuff on this and uh you know we talk about it every day and i I think people get desensitized to the fact that each and every day um we have whether it be state actors teenagers other groups and stuff too that are unrelated with any country and stuff that are constantly constantly uh continuing their own fight to you know infiltrate information exploit uh as well as to be able to deliver ransomware and stuff too for you know for our organizations and really at the end it's uh we, we find that one um we still don't have the right structures and stuff in place to uh, aid within a corporate sense how they should be should behave when they do find that they've been hacked or whether they do find that they've had a breach and then on the other part of that is how do you actually hold them accountable for this so and, examples and stuff right now that we were that we're seeing here with this uh you know from a from an uber uh, hack standpoint i think this is probably one of the most appropriate topics and subjects to really go over because it dovetails into some of the efforts and stuff too that katie has been ongoing over the last couple of years and that our government's been ongoing too as far as saying hey look we've got to put a structure in place that one holds accountability but two also shows you how you should be protecting yourself how you should be able to conduct yourself as part of one the u.s but two as part of our responsibilities too to the you know to the, to the security of our citizens our consumers and our nation so you know what you're talking about amen right so as we're talking about 
you know, getting cybersecurity and, you know, getting compliant, um, you know, your supply chain risk management as, as CISOs or CIOs, the C-suite specifically, right? There's a whole chunk of onerousness and, you know, that they're taking on that they've had that they don't necessarily want. So one of the, the things, and we've talked about this before, the reason why CMMC went, you know, was created was because Congress wanted somebody to be accountable for the, the, the amount of money that we're losing every year from ransomware and IP theft and et cetera, right? They want somebody to blame. Well, who in the company, right, wants to be the, the, the one to hold the bag on that one, right? So if a breach happens in the DOD, right, you got to remember those are military personnel, right? The, 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 the fact that FireEye and SolarWinds happened, you didn't see anybody, you know, anybody get court-martialed, anybody lose their, their, you know, get demoted. Nothing like that happens in military land, right? But on our side, the commercial side, the Uber, this case is the first one of its, and I say it's many to come behind, right? So we have Joe who comes into the company, right? He's, he's job. He's in a company. The mindset of the company is win at all costs, right? Like Uber at the time. You got to remember, this is not today. This is back in 2015, 2016, okay? They're peaking. Their, their capability is peaking. We are all getting comfortable with using our phones to get a, you know, this ride share, our, our credit cards on there. You know, we're getting the cars with strangers. This is before any, you know, really severe uh, Uber security issues of physical security. And this guy comes in and he realizes, okay, number one, the, the infrastructure that was set up around Uber was bad to begin with. Let's just start, let's open the, the, the thing, right? He comes into the company into a really poorly built security infrastructure. And then he's got, so his job is security, right? He's here, that's his thing. First thing that happens, he's get, he gets this you know incident, right? He realizes that this, this massive breach has happened, right? He knows he's gonna get fired. <laughs> Right? You got to figure you're going to get fired. Right. But nay, nay, they don't. And you got to. So he's he's sitting here trying to figure his way out of this. And what he did was wrong. Right. He should have said to the FTC straight up. This is what happened. This is how I, I mitigated it. Right. If you, there's truth, there's something to say to, you know, I purged my sins. I'm asking for forgiveness. This is what I did. So. If anybody doesn't understand what happened here in this, and, and I don't, Lojo, do you want to summarize what he did with it was bad or? Well, bottom line is, is you cover up a breach, you pay the ransom on a breach, and then you ice it over as part of a bug bounty program. These are, yep. this that's that's simply misleading and simply obstruction when you talk about being a um a, uh, a a a monitored and regulated company in that case right and this is yep. across the board from an ftc standpoint which is where you know which is where the uh complaint and filing is, is on this right and then also just as a publicly traded organization and stuff too you have responsibilities to report this you have responsibilities to um to 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 tell the truth as well within these uh you know, within these, uh, 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 within these uh, control, you know, within these control groups and within these um, uh, uh, regulatory bodies. And what, what Sullivan did, Joe Sullivan, his big sin 
was that he paid the ransomware. A, he paid it in Bitcoin, right? Not traceable, not on the U.S. currency, paid in Bitcoin. You know, that's why that yet again, the U.S. government needs to get involved and set terms and, and policy and regulations around Bitcoin. It's a good, secure way to trans, trans, have business transactions, although the, the Bitcoin market's you know, a little bit on fire still. But it, it, it's, you know, it's blockchain, right? It's secure. Um, but secondarily is what he did is he had, in, instead of, you know, coming, you know, we have hacked the Pentagon, right? So we sign up and say, okay, come in and, you know, get this. And we're upfront about it. The fact that we, we were, we want you to tell us what the problems are. What Joe did backwards on this is he had the hackers when they finally were able to trace the hackers back, right? They got to them. They had them. He paid them off. The Uber paid them off, had them sign NDAs. Not to disclose, never to discuss it. So when the FTC came to say, okay, well, tell us who did this, right? They're just like, I don't know. In all actually, they did know they had they non-disclosure and they had paid them off. Yep. This is where I've said from the very beginning of my conversations, right? Getting a breach, you cannot, and this is the, the fourth part, the, the part of the discussion that was started at the top of the hour, right? You cannot hold that person accountable for the breach. Otherwise you'll never have people take the job of a CISO or a CTO or CIO. They, they have to be held harmless, right? You have to be able to say, Oh, okay. This happened right now. If you want to fire them because they didn't put knowingly, you know, like the false claims act, right. And Aerojet, why, why they, they got slammed with that is because they made a corporate decision to say, this is what they recommended that we didn't do that you do and they decided not to do it. They lied about it. But if you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing right and things happen, things happen. That's why you have insurance. That's why you go blah, 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 blah. But when you do what he did, that's where it's bad. And that's why I've said breach threat cannot be. And I joke around and say, it's a four letter word. It can't be, we need to be very open about it. We need to be able to say, Hey, this happened, right? This is exposed. The only way to get rid of, you know, anything, right? It's, it's, you know, you got to rip the bandaid off and you've got to let it, you've got to get the correct, you know, antibiotic to heal the wound. So it can't have, you know, it, it heals itself. And then the body, you know, I'm using a really bad analogy here, but the body develops, you know, the antibodies to fight that type of infection again. Yep. The only way, so LA Unified School District got hit, right? So everybody in the country should know exactly how that happened. So you don't do it again. Okay. And, and we're, uh, sorry, hold on. go ahead. Yeah. And, and that's it. I think that what we don't want listeners or ever to, to, to really think is that, look, you are always trying to reduce the, you know, your threat vectors and you're always trying to reduce uh, the landscape and opportunities for someone to breach your organization or breach you even personally from that. But eventually, one of the things that I've found in my years is that it will happen, right? It, it, it will absolutely happen because even just statistically, as far as on how much you're trying to protect versus how many people are trying to get to what you have, um, these things will happen. And so that's why when we look at cyber, we look at security and we talk about this, it's not that, bam, hey, they just had bad security and that was it, right? There's companies have had fantastic security and still 
are compromised and stuff in this. So to your point about the CISO and stuff, you know, about the CISO and stuff too, the practice has usually been, hey, we had a bad CISO or so on this, let's get rid of them. They were the problem, all right? Yeah. Um, it, you can't go about life that way. You can't go about uh, your, your corporate practice in that way. It's just like, uh, you know, it, you're using the body. I'll use the athlete, right? The athlete that messes up on their job once or twice, right? And but learns from it and continues to get better and better and improves where they are is the athlete that's sustainable, right? It's coachable. It's able to be like, hey, this was a gap that you left before. Now cover that gap, right? These yeah. are things that you have to see when it comes to this. This is a practice, just like it's a physician. A physician is practicing medicine, right? Um, they can do a lot of things to try to prevent, right? And try to encourage you to do a lot of things to prevent. But at the end, it's a practice. And we have to practice all together if we're going to be able to really protect ourselves, protect our consumers, protect our nation and stuff too on that. Amen. And it's, it's, it, and this is the part of, you know, this, he's not the first, mm-hmm. right? He's just the, it's just, he's the first one that they brought up on charges, the FTC. And this is this new, this new place we're at, right? Where people who you would never think, you know, people that got brought up on, on charges with the FTC or the SEC are always like the, the, the CFO or the CEO, right? Now they're looking down the pipe, right? They're like, okay, who's really doing this, right? And that's why it's, you know, full transparency, get and, and make sure it's well documented. This is, if I'm a CISO today, right, out there in, in any industry, and I've said this on every episode and I talk about it all the time. This is a C-suite, the executive level discussions. If you are honest and forthright and you bring this to the table and bear and say, hey, here's it's documented, especially in a publicly traded company. These are where the things are, are, are wrong, right? This is where we're at. This is why we need to do this. And it's documented and you make that decision, you know, to yay or nay, then it's off. But if you hide it, and you, you don't want to take the, the fact that, oh, you know, well, you know, I've been doing this job for five years and we haven't really done anything to get safer. Um, we haven't gotten really any better and it looks bad on me. No one's going to, you know, the sins of the past are the sins of the past, right? Nobody in, in, especially in the defense industry, took cybersecurity seriously when this law went into effect in 2015, this, this NIST came into being. No one took it seriously. Don't, don't look at yourself as, the, nobody did. Everyone's like, oh yeah, we're doing it. Great, check the box, go ahead. It's in the contract, right? We've, and we do that, right? We, do, we want to pat ourselves on the back. Well, we passed this great, we've got this great NIST standard now, we've put it into contracts and we are good, we're safe. It wasn't you that's not the case. But now that you do know that you need to be compliant and when you have your quarterly meetings or whatever it is, you need to be upfront about it and tell them this is exactly what the problems are. This is how much money it's going to take to fix it. And we need to fix it. Here's our plan of action to fix it. You have created job security for yourself because you are a problem solver, right? They, everybody knows there's a problem. And this is where I hope, you know, going forward, I was involved back in, um, So down in South Carolina, where I'm from, um, when I was a state legislator, um, we had, uh, it's not the same, but it's like uh, the whole nuclear debacle of they were going to build a nuclear facility, um, nuclear energy facility. And essentially the company that went into a private public partnership with the government, with the, the state of South Carolina, lied openly lied the 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 cfo of the energy company lied 
to the SEC, to the FTC, and to the state. And indictments, it took a while, but I mean, they got indicted. There's jail time. There's, you know, it's when you are openly lying to them, the government, they are going to find out. And it's just come clean. Just say, hey, listen, this is where our problems are. That's why, you know, next week, um, I don't, when this podcast airs, um, I have a white paper coming out about the cost of security. What is the true and actual cost of security to a company? Because that's been one of the bigger issues. Um, and we've talked about it before on the show. Um, you know, when the NIST, when 2015 rolled around and we had to implement the NIST, it's not like anybody went and said, okay, so how much money is this going to cost us to do the implement it? People just kind of, they rolled it in. And they, they, they weren't really doing it, but they were doing it. So it was just kind of part of their rate. Mm-hmm. Now, I actually, you know, did, you know, a great deal of research to figure out what is the cost of cybersecurity as a service per seat based on, you know, a company this size, this capability, you know, what you would look for. And it ain't cheap, right? But let's be honest with ourselves and say, okay, this is what it's going to cost and we can move forward. It's like what we're dealing with right now with this ridiculous inflation and, and the cost of fuel, right? It's, we realize it's now a cost. It's raised because the source, the, the the gas is expensive. You see, you know, it's not trickled down, but it's actually trickle up if economics, but you see that the cost of getting the, you know, the milk to the grocery store is more expensive because it, the, the fuel has gone up. The cost of security is going to raise prices. Sorry. It'll eventually level out and come down because as markets get built up, things become, you know, there's more competition more competition drives price down, right? So that's why we're on this upsurge of what security is going to cost us all. And in time, it will come on the downside because you will have more and, you know, more an open market system, a capital market system drives costs down, not up. The more people in the market, the more people that strives for, you know, to get customer, you know, you want to be the best in breed. You want to be the ones that have the market share. Well, that drives you to do the right thing. That's why the CMMC is so powerful, right? Because it's driving everybody to be compliant and creating these capability of, you know, cybersecurity as a service, which five years ago, nobody was talking about that. Now it's the buzzword, right? It will drive it up and then it'll bring it down because that's the way the market goes, right? New, you know, the, the Teslas of, you know, how much was a Tesla four or five years ago versus now you have more electric or hybrid capability out there. The cost is coming down because you've drived the capital markets. The security market has been stagnant. The, 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 the illuminators such as yourself have been saying it's a critical part of a business component. You have to have it, right? It's needed. It's necessary. It, it's the return on investment is there do it, be there. It drove the market. And here we are. And we have all these people, you know, I, I still am in awe every day when I turn on, you know, I look at LinkedIn or FedScoop or one of them and I see the CMMC. It is an, it is a moment every time I see that, that that was like for my brain shot, you know, sitting, mm-hmm. that was Katie. That was something I did. Right. Yep. Like I, I did that. You know, I don't want to ever have a bumper sticker that I did that, but I <laughs> I never want that, but I did that, right? But it's now, but you look at what happened at Uber and you looked at somebody who was trying to save his job, make his bosses happy, the road to hell, you know, he broke the law, obviously, 
he's been sentenced, you know, he's been indicted, he's, he's gone through the trial, found guilty, okay, don't be Joe Sullivan. Yeah. That should be like, just don't be a Joe. Don't be a Joe. Don't be a Karen. Don't be a Joe. And honesty is the best policy. Don't pay ransom. I I, just the one thing, and I we talked about it a few. You know, on Christmas Eve of of you know 2020, um, we got the call. You know, Mnuchin. You know, we have somebody you know really in in the supply chain that had a ransomware attack, and they want a million dollars and they don't have it. And I'm just like, dude, we don't pay terrorists, right? Yep. Um, Expose that you've instead before you pay it right tell everybody it's there tell everybody because you're not the only one they're doing it to Mm -hmm. the more public you make it the more you expose the criminal the more you expose the crime the less likely it is to reoccur i I guess that's the don't don't try and hide it It, it's like anything you know as a kid what you know and i'm sure you did it you know you broke the vase you try and hide the vase or glue the vase together. Mom's ultimately going to find out you broke the vase. Yeah, I broke my dad's. Uh, I, I I broke his pipe. That's <laughs> very expensive pipe. <laughs> Playing around. And you tried. Oh, you tried to. Oh, tried your best to just try to explain it away, and you never really ever got to the you know to the to to, to the end or to the truth of it. And they're looking at you going. This is this is really you just broke and they're 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 more disappointed in the fact you just didn't fess up and say hey oh this happened it's like do you remember the Brady Bunch episode of the vase the flower and they had the water in the vase and like the kids were all sitting around the dining room table watching it start the spring lakes you're trying to show my yeah (laughs) baby honey I'm the one that brought the reference up I'm sitting here (laughs) nodding because I know the episode. This is this is why people should listen to this podcast because it's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of trivia, you know, technology trivia, you know. But it's the truth, though, right? Like you, you're never, and it's you know, it's and it's every aspect of our lives. People try to do this. I mean, do you remember this TV show, Cheaters? Like, oh come on, right? You're trying to hide in street, and now it's and and now we have the one where they're doing the cops and they're they're actually riding along with the cops and they're watching the crimes happen Mm -hmm. folks bad things happen every single day and you can't be responsible for all the bad things what you need to have are risk mitigation strategies in place you have to know the rules of the game you know compliance that's what the cmmc audit the third party audit is which is to segue into our next section Mm -hmm. um is there to tell you what you need to do to get right right you get right and you do your ultimate best for risk mitigation but no, and every, and I've put this out every time, anybody that wants to bring me into their C-suite to tell them, right, bad things are going to happen mm-hmm. in this environment because it's electronic warfare. It's once, you know, you plug one hole, the adversary is going to look for another hole. It's never going to be great. You're never going to be 100% secure. Never understand that in in all that's out there, you're never going to be 100% secure. The best you can do is be as compliant as you can. Stay aware of how the threats, what the adversary is doing, you know, as they're changing their 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 protocols, their TTPs. You know, you want to be aware of it, but no, bad things are going to happen. The best thing to do is, you know, as we were talking before we got on to this, we were talking about the Florida's response to the Hurricane Ian. They have a great mitigation plan in place. They know it's going to happen, 
they have a pretty good idea where it's going to lay make landfall, but know that they can't be 100% because it's nature. You can't, you know, you don't know where the hack is, what port is going to come in or which way, which way the, 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 the breach is going to occur. But as long as you have risk mitigation strategies to be there as soon as it, you know, to, to prevent it, do as much as you can to prevent the damage when it hits, when it hits the immediate response to get you back online and back working is what you need. And, and, you know, there's, I did a little, um, LinkedIn thing um, when the hurricane was happening about, you know, have a, we have natural disaster response. You have to have a cyber response team mm-hmm. and it's just the way it is. And don't lie. Don't lie. Don't make hackers, people who have done bad things, sign NDAs, pay them in Bitcoin and pray to God. It never comes to light because mm-hmm. the truth will always bubble to the surface. So I would tell you, you know, over the years, um, I've sat in a lot of, sat in and presented in a lot of uh, C-suite as well as board reviews, capital budget reviews and stuff too, where we are presenting both the findings from a compliance standpoint as well as our security report on large companies, right? And going through the decisioning with their C-suite and their board regarding how to address this with budget. Right. Oh, yes. From a risk standpoint. Right. So large companies have typically what you call like a chief risk officer. Right. Yep. Right. And your discussions as you go to the board, you have these really beautiful stoplight charts, right, that are there. It talks about your material risk as an organization, your risk to, you know, they'll identify things like, hey, we've got a risk to our brand. We've got a risk, a financial risk here, right? We have a legal obligation or or, or, or our component here, right? So this is, this is what makes this most important for us to invest in. And I would tell you that the understanding of cyber, especially when we were having these discussions in 2014, 2015, 16 and stuff was very complex because just the ability to being able to have the ability for the board to understand that, look, cyber can affect your brand. As far as if you're hacked, they can, it can affect uh, uh, trust. It can affect what your compliance is from a regulatory standpoint. And most importantly too, for these companies, because they're highly capitalistic and stuff on this is it can, it can really um, affect your stock price and your obligations to your shareholders. Right. And at first it was not English to them, meaning that there was this disconnect and they could not understand what a security impact was. And so those decisionings, the decisions that used to come down in those, whereas, well, I, I don't see how this is going to be material for us right now. Um, here's enough, hopefully, to keep us going on. And there was really no science to how you define your cyber program or your or your security program in that way. This was a struggle yeah. for a long time because CISOs a lot of times did not speak business language and the business language did not speak CISO language. Before we continue with this great conversation, I've got to tell you about our sponsor, BlackRock Engineering and Technology. BlackRock recently launched an innovative new solution, Chief Information Security Officer as a Service, or CISO as a Service. This solution is tailored to small and medium businesses that may not have the budget or understand the need for a Chief Information Security Officer. BlackRock Engineering and Technology's professionals have decades of experience. BlackRock will fill in the gap for your CISO needs at a fraction of the salary of a C-suite ex- executive. For more information, check out our website at www.blackingetech.com. Now, back to the show. You know, and and it, so let's 
let's that's a whole segment right there what you just said just made you know i'm on a and so anybody that knows me i'm i'm a four foot eleven um lebanese italian polish proud american um but sports is not my forte right i love college football but you know i I'm married to a Steelers fan and I, I participate in, you know, the, 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 the Steeler love, right? Mike Tomlin doesn't know it, but I am his biggest fan. Um, and that's a, that's a coaching reference and Hey, yeah, I went there. Um, and, but I'm on a fantasy football league with a bunch of CISOs, right? And we're doing this, you know, um, we're equating, like, how do you set up a, a football team like you would a company and, and who's the CISO, right? What's the role of the CISO and how critical are they? And it's evolved, right? That job over the past five years has changed. And what you just said, right, um, my, you, you joke around with people, I say everybody has the superpower, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my superpower is that I under, I see things that connect that most people wouldn't see connect and I'm able to translate how they connect to people. Right. So when I look into understanding why, how cyber is a part of everything, right. It's baked into the the basis of everything. It was that capability of able to translate that to the business community, to be able to translate that to the, um, the CIO, that to the, the lawyers, right. That whole side Everybody, a CISO's job isn't technical for the most part. A CISO's job is understanding how to pull in what all the different languages that are spoke in a company and translate that into security or to risk. And that is, it is not an art that I think that many schools have, you know, to to get a degree in in becoming a CISO. I think most CISOs are, are organically created by just different roles that they've assumed in the company or doing in their, their career that have brought them to that point. You know, you have to understand costing, right? You have to evaluate how much money is worth the return on investment in, in, in doing this. And how does that, that translate to the legal terminology and contracting? And, and when we're HR, when we're training our people, how does that look to make sure that the people, because they're generally the, the, the biggest failure we have, right? Human error is the biggest problem that we have, not doing something right or following the rules. How do you translate that? And how do you translate, which is really hard and, and you know, how do you determine if you're a CISO, if you're doing a good job, mm-hmm. where's your bench line? Like you came, like, how do you say I'm doing yeah, a good job? If nothing happens, right. well, then do we, <laughs> which, what's the metrics yeah. are good? Yeah. It's just like, it's so mind numbing, but that CISO is just such a critical part. And the really, really great CISOs, right. That are out there today aren't people that have degrees in, in, you know, computer sciences for the most part, right. They're people that understand different roles, responsibilities. They have a, a, a good understanding of technology, but they have more of a capability of, you know, like I say, they're the great orchestrator, the, the, the great conductor. They know how to pull and push and pull the right levers to get that. But sorry, I went segue, went off the roadmap there for a minute. Sorry. <laughs> I tend to do that on you. No, 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 no problem. No problem. Oh, and, and to your point, right? Um, a CISO is a is a, to me is now a business unit manager, right? Yep. Got to manage within the context of the business and stuff. There, they also have to be able to be effective in communicating the business case 
for the activities, actions, and stuff too that they want to take or that they want to see is most you know most important. And in particular, yep. as our organizations, when we talk about things like digital transformation for organizations right now, um, you know, I've worked with clients where the question was, look, do we align the CISO to the CIO or do we align the CISO? more so to the business and stuff on that, right? And that's well, that's the, the right. DOD went through that with my job, right? It was, so let's use mine as the biggest case example, right? The biggest, you know, the Department of Defense, you know, they, the, the 300 and whatever, 80, well, 380 billion a year, whatever they're in industry they spend, mm-hmm. Ellen Lord was the undersecretary and she's like, I need, I need a CISO because I'm, this is, I'm buying all this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, eventually the CIO said, no, CISO should be aligned with us. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, every company is different. And I think every agency is different, but the bottom line is, right? That CISO components got to be a part of the executive team, mm-hmm. period, right? They can't be somebody that's not in the room and the CISO's best job, um, I would say is, the only way it's like the 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 wound, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in the Department of Defense, I used to go into meetings and you know high level meetings, and I would say very bluntly, which because I didn't have the you know the 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 I guess the um, well no I, I my thing is I just don't know how not just to say the truth like the emperor's in the middle of the room and he's got no clothes on let's discuss it <laughs> because it's, it's and for a company like Uber let's you know just bring Joe Sullivan back right. It, here's here's the place, right? They were peaking at the right time. Did they, you know, his thing was, oh shit, pardon my French, but if everybody knows that they got hit, they're not going to use our product and we're going to go under, right? And I'm going to be the fail point. You don't put that on yourself. Put that as a corporate decision. Right. Put that on everybody yep. and put it out there. Don't don't harness it. Um, that's I, I, my, my word to the wise kids is honesty is the best policy, no matter how hard it is, um, do it tactfully and respectfully and understand that you're probably going to tell somebody who thought they were really well-dressed that they're buck naked, Mm -hmm. but understand if you do it, you know, in the right respectful tone and tenor and say, you know, listen, it's not with malice or intent. I say that most um, of the, you know, there, there are exceptions to the rules, of course, but every time I, I spoke about the CMMC or I talk about supply chain risk, it's not out of malfeasance. It's not out of, you know, a malice point. It's just truly, it wasn't taken seriously. They didn't understand the risk associated with it. They didn't have a capability that could identify the risk, but this is the environment we are in now. And now this needs to be the discussion and point you know, end of story. It now is part of the discussion and the sins of the past, we can't overcome, right? We can't keep looking backwards. We have to look forward and how to go forward. So that's, you know, like I'm asking Congress for a lot of money to get the the Department of Defense righted on this over the FIDEP because it's the right thing to do, whether they do it or they don't, right? Which is, which is scary to me. And I'll say this on the podcast, I'm asking for $10 billion a year over five years to get right. And we're getting ready to send another $10 billion to Ukraine. I have to wonder, $10 billion in the defense industry would make us a whole hell of a lot safer on any kind of Russian aggression than $10 billion to Ukraine. Especially where the aggression is now. 
right? Yep. Talk about the, uh, you know, the, the aggression. It, it's not just in tanks and missiles and everything else. It's, <clears throat> it's in our infrastructure. It's in the things that we take for granted each and every day as part of our convenience. But after a while, convenience becomes a mandatory, right? Amen, uh, brother. Yep. And so, we'll and, be- and, oh, go ahead. Oh no! I mean, that's why. Like next week, I mean, that's my big thing. Is I'm I'm releasing this white paper. I'm I've you know I've got the data behind it. I'm putting it out there to say, okay, we're giving ten billion dollars to Ukraine. If we have ten billion dollars to the programs in the Department of Defense to put directly into the small businesses mm-hmm. that are the most vulnerable, for them to buy cybersecurity as a service as a one-time get right, the return on investment on that is intangible. Yep. Because you had to figure, you know, we're losing the equal of the Department of Defense budget annually in data loss, IP theft, and ransomware. Mm-hmm. Let's let's get, you know, put the oxygen mask on ourselves at home first, right? And and figure this out because you, the, that war in Ukraine is at a stalemate. Why? Because what what you know, we you and I have said this a thousand times. Like the next war, it it could start with a small kinetic thing. But it doesn't end there. That's not where it ends. It's a non-kinetic action that's going to end that war, right? Yep. They've it's the cyber, it's the financial, it's you know why Russia is you know going to the extremes of threatening nuclear is because the sanctions are making it uncomfortable for the civilians to live day to day, right? It's the non-kinetic things that are happening yep. that you know they can't go to the store and get the Levi jeans that they want, right? It's the non-kinetic. And we've got to start that, but that's a whole nother subject. And, you know, I want to get to the next one, which is Sorry, really I'm chapping thinking, I'm thinking notes here. Cause you know, we've got some future topics. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was going to, <laughs> I was going to start my own podcast, right? Dude, but I just like talking to you. It's just, just we make a good little team together. It's, you know, it's, it it's, it's the low Joe show, um, <laughs> but it's the next subject that, you know, you picked and everybody oh. listening, Can he picked it. Katie? No, you, he picked it, right? He sent me, this is what we're talking about. And I'm like, oh yeah, let me get into this one. Um, is that why NIST shouldn't be the accreditation body for software? What the hell is the government thinking? Right? Do you all understand? Like, so I, I put a little LinkedIn blurb of when this came out, right? NIST is a standards body. They are not an accreditation body, right? You don't want that. That is exactly why the CMMC or now the Cyber AB was stood up in industry because you cannot have a standard that you created and then you go out and then you accredit that standard with a company because the OCI implications are massive. So the right now, for those people who don't know, right? There was an executive order that came out that states that NIST needs to set up an accreditation capability for a software, right? Which is, I understand the the the, the theory is good, right? Like these are the standards. These are, you know, they're the exemplar. They should be the ones to accredit the software, right? No, 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 right? That's wrong because you've tainted them now. Right. NIST was always just the standard. It was never an an ISO, the International Standards Organization. So here's a little food for thought for those geeks that are on and listening. And I love that you're listening. 
when the CMMC started, right, it had to go, the accreditation body stood up. And what took so long in the AB standing up in that contract, that not that no cost contract that the government has with the cyber AB is the ISO standard is very clear that if you hold a standard, you create the standard, you're the owner of the standard, you cannot in that same entity have an accreditation body for that standard. Yep. So the AB had to go through all these hoops to create these other like sub entities, companies, the C3PAOs, you know, the, the, they had to have different entities. Yeah, there are so C3PAOs, yep. So NIST is under the Department of Commerce, right? So now you're going to have to create another government agency, which is exactly what does not work, right? Not even in our cloud capability is it a government agency, right? FedRAMP has a third party that does the assessments of the, the, the FedRAMP certification. It's bad. It's so bad. And the, the other problem is, right, and why you want any kind of third-party accreditation is you never want them to be reliant, number one, on government funding because the likelihood that the, the funding, right, as we are, we are, I don't care what side of the aisle you are, we're in a recession. It's here, right? So what happens in a recession? You cannot mathematically spend your way out of a recession. That's, that's bad, right? So what happens in recessions? Your budgets go down. You have to stop spending to get a hold of it. So the DOD budget, the whole of government budget is going to go down. So now you stood up an entity that's not funded, right? So NIST has to create a third, a third party entity to do this software bill of lading, you know, accreditation that there's no recurring source of funding available, right? So something in the government will have to stop to, to do this, right? And then the legal ramifications are just stupidly bad, right? It's, it's not what NIST should be doing. It's not what their charter is. It's not what the government should do. And I understand why they want to do it, right? But you you set a standard and then you have a third party entity you want to have iso certified software you want to have you want to create something you know have iso do it they're already there you want to have another cmmc type like thing stood up but to have the government do it do you realize a the the, the conflict of interest of this is massive because so you create the standard, right? So you're, you're now going, and that was the big complaint when the CMMC started, right? Mm -hmm. Like how ethical are these auditors going to be, right? Can I just pay them off, right? So you're all of this, right? So who in the government, and, and it goes back to one of the conversations we had in the beginning, have you ever seen anybody in the government get fired or court-martialed for not doing something right? No. Generally, when someone screws up, they get promoted. You promote them out of the problem. You know, you never make them accountable for it. That's how the government works, right? That's Firing. A, I think one of the things to this is let's break down what NIST core, what was, what's their core mission, right? For NIST, what, what the, the core mission of NIST? 
you know, on this has never been to be a, a government body or an authoritarian from that end, right? It's supposed to be a, a collaboration between our commerce and intelligence and, you know, other industries from there to help in creating standards that can be used in commerce in the future and stuff there. It was never meant to be this type of body, right? To No, it was, say, it was the Institute. This, certify that, right? Their name, it's the National Institute of Standards and Technology. They're, it's to create the best practices. That's what NIST is. This, these are the best practices to for technology, for you know standards, to make the best, safest things, right? This is the best way to do it. Never was it to ensure and double check compliance on that. So right. NIST, create the standard for software development, got it, note it, and a entity outside of the government needs to be that third party auditing. And this is it and that that first thing. Secondly, right, the government does not move fast. Nope. Right? So Lojo, if you want to get an ATO of your software in the Department of Defense, how long are you looking? Year and a half at best, typically. Year and a half at best. To get my so, software, to get my software authorized, right? And that's so that's not even just across everybody from a government. That's from one body, right? So part of the, the the defense industry or defense. So uh, just listen to what the great bureaucratic brains have thought. So you just so you are going to have to go through a NIST certification of your software bill of lading, and then. There's nothing in that executive order about reciprocity, right? Because no DAA within the Department of Defense or I assume any of the other federal agencies are going to accept that risk without checking it themselves because that software in that environment and how you've looked at it looks great, right? But my environment has this risk that you didn't take into your, your assessment. So now I have to do my own. So you have just added another easy year to the process. And then the government comes up with another, you know, they want to change. This is why I'm so like, if you could, when you put this out on the podcast, like the the thing to make people listen to the last half of this, they want to increase the amount of small business participants. Now they want to increase it, which I don't, Mm -hmm. that's fine. Right. But you do realize you're saying that in the same breath that you are now adding all these other additional ways, things that small business has to hop through to get in to do business. There's already a big barrier there, right? For small you just made it higher. Yeah, you just made it higher. I mean, you you think about the the the, the we talk about it all the time in, in in DoD. We can't adopt things very quickly, right? We yep. we can't pull the latest and greatest and be able to be used to our advantage, whether it's tactically or strategically. And it is, it's a long process. You know, for instance, we create software at BlackRock, right? We have software that we sell and stuff within there. So we've had to get that accredited with Navy, Army, Air Force, now Space Force, right? Yep. Um, you know, across that. So if we didn't have the maturity from an organization standpoint to do that, if you, I'm a new company that's coming in and trying to do this and work this through either Sivers programs or whichever from that, 
there is just nothing that's promised. So basically I could spend a lot of collective money and dollars trying to move my software and stuff through with no promise of it being bought. And now I have a zero sum sitting at the oh, end. So that's what it's, you say. Why do not, why do these small companies not go into here? It's because you have the horror stories that's there of like, look, I spent, you know, over a million, you know, a million dollars or so on this and trying to pursue this and do this. And at the end of the day, that particular person left or ruled out or got promoted and is no longer there is no longer the decision maker. And now I'm just sitting here. Right. And, and, and it's, it's, it is quintessential of great in theory, horrible in execution when you have, and I don't use, I was a bureaucrat, right? Remember I was the CISO. But I also came from industry and there was a lot of conversation. And, and I will say this back to when the CMMC first started. I said to my senior leaders in the building, because it, it originally the way they they were like, do it in the bubble, right? Do it here. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. to design a standard or a way to be compliant, I have to have un- industries buy in and participation because they know how this will actually work in execution. You're theoretical, you're academic, you're, you're within the government. You've never been on the other side of the fence. And it's hard to implement this in the way you've worded this because these business rules and functions don't work in that manner. So now you're going to have NIST, who's academics, creating a software bill of lading, which, okay, here's the standard. And now they're going to be the ones to say whether it works or not works. Well, they're not people who are from industry who have ever really created software, right? That understand how that's, this implication goes. The, the, the problem set, right? And how are they going to find the amount of people, right? That are going to be able to do this. I mean, that was one of the things with the CMMC, scalability, getting enough cybersecurity auditors. How are you now going to have software auditors, right? And and I just say, there's a better way to have done this. Um, there are. It's a great idea. The premise, the mission is right, right? But what you have to be able to do is produce the standard I think personally, you know, if the government really wants software, right, the, the reason, and, and here's another part to the story that nobody knows, I, I guess most people don't know, is Australia did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And what happened in Australia? Software development companies left Australia. Yeah, they left. Do you remember? They have a gaping hole mm-hmm. of new innovative technology in Australia because of it. They just said, it's not worth it. We're going elsewhere. Yep. And we're right. We're right. We're, we're, it's like, you know, lessons learned. Like, let's look at what's happened. And I understand where this is coming from, right? I understand where all this is coming from. And I'm going to tell you all, it's coming from Ann Nuremberger, who was the, she was the cyber directorate at NSA during FireEye, right? And SolarWinds. She is now the deputy national security council. And Anne has never worked in industry. Her, her thought process is, you know, she wants to make it safer, right? She wants to secure it, but there's a level of you can't, you, you, you can't do it the way you're doing it because it's not economical, it's not feasible, and it's going to bar from entry. And what you're going to do is drive the innovation right out of the United States and right into other countries. Mm-hmm. And 
the smart, innovative capabilities are going to continue to bleed out of our country because we make, you know, there is risk involved. And what you should have is what I said from the very beginning on this. And when Ann and I got in locking horns in the Department of Defense about this, I said, give me a curriculum. And the Air Force did it. They have, um, oh God, what's it called? Ski school? They have, and Defense Digital Services created it, a software developer's curriculum, right? Where you put them through a curriculum. Because there's only two so- two ways software developers go, right? They're either, um, they either A, don't know that they've created a backdoor or a bug, or B, they did purposefully. Two, there's no gray area there. Mm-hmm. You either didn't know you did it or you did it purposefully. So you create a program, which the Air Force did. You put software developers through the curriculum, right? And though that's where you get the compliance in the, you don't need a software bill of lading, right? All you need, and you don't need a, this thing. You need to say, okay, these people went through this, you know, so if you're a security, cybersecurity, you get your CISSP, right? So in software developers, you go through a curriculum, you, you, you get certified, right? You're a certified, you know, whatever they want to call it. And they're the ones that can, that's part of the, the, the bid and proposal that, you know, as you develop this software, you have to have these people with these accreditations on it. You solve the freaking problem in the commercial market. You do not solve it in the government. And you use the NIST standard on software development as the baseline of the curriculum in that, that certification. Mm. Easy. Yep. I just hit the easy button. Yeah. I think one of the, you know, when we, when we kind of backtrack through industry, you know, on this is, you know, industry rewards innovation, right? The newest, you know, the greatest, the grandest that's coming out there from innovation. If you said in 2011 that you were going to go to AWS, right? And you were going to run a defense contract and stuff based on an AWS platform that you had as your overall, as your overall, as your overall, uh, you know, as your overall compute networking and everything else, you know, within that, it, you'd have been stared at with five eyes, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? This is infrastructure you don't run. You're just putting stuff on it, right? And that's yep. what the case was because this is what we used to get. Um, now, if we talk about it, you know, today, and we say, look, we're going to go AWS GovCloud, you know, with this, and we're going to secure our, you know, CUI data and stuff too using the capabilities and stuff that are there, as well as we're going to host our software and applications and stuff from there. That's now a more generally accepted way of of of, of being able to do business, right? It doesn't yep. make you 100% complete, right? But it certainly checks a lot of boxes and also gives you the ease of both alignment with your business, with your business responsibilities and uh, corporate metrics and everything else that's there, but also gives you that compliance component that you need too within that, within that, you know, within your organization. So as an organization, or I say as a small business or small software developer, the first thing that you're after is to get your product developed, your innovation out there and to market, all right? And anything that causes additional rising costs and stuff on that, that can be prohibitive for you to get that to market, you're going to take and put that on the back burner. It doesn't matter how, you know, uh, how you do it, but basically these companies build their product first for consumer, right? In which case you're going to be a lot less stringent and stuff on that. But then when you begin to say, Hey, look, I'd like to be able to be a, a DOD, you know, a supplier and stuff from there. Um, that's where these folks are going to go through that cost and benefit and saying, 
my margins here are much higher, my margins there are lower, sure, yeah. business, but I'm not going to do spend as much effort to do that if I don't think the return is going to be worth it. And that's nope. where you get that, that miss. So if there is a clear path for these organizations to go uh, to do that, then now they can really look at their investors and go, here's what it's going to cost. We need these, we need these uh, capabilities. We need folks that are trained in this and yep. this how we need to produce this in order to be able to take advantage of both, you know, both our, our, our consumer marketplace or international business versus our DOD or government business. Now they have something to work from, but when you go in and say, Hey, it's just going to cost us, you know, this much more to do business with our, with our, with our government here in the U S and we're going to get this return, which isn't going to be as much of returns that they get in the consumer marketplace. That's where you, you know, that's, that's where you have that. Um, that's where you have that friction in an organization and they're going to go to the path of least resistance. Oh, absolutely. That's just the way that goes. All right. They just created the Valley of death was, you know, 18 months wide and deep. Yep. Now they just made it easy. I say, you know, a 36 month Valley of death and for a startup or a small business, that's, that is a death sentence. And in the same breath that they say that, they come out and say, we want to increase the spend of small business. We want more small businesses involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that ain't going to happen, right? And it's, it's just not going to happen. So what you're going to end up doing is getting the, which is the flip side of more small businesses, they're going to be more services. They're not going to be the innovation that we want, right? It's not going to be, you know, on a contract, you know, I want more contracting with, with small businesses. So you're going to, and sadly, right. And I'm not just because, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I started my, my life as working at a dry cleaner, a cashier at Wegmans. I worked the night shift at Denny's as a waitress. I mean, there's no job that I think is below me at all. Right. I will clean, I, I will clean the toilet. I got no problem with that. Right. Where we are at in what they're doing is that what's going to end up happening is you're going to create a lot of small businesses that are taking the low hanging, easy fruit, not the innovation where we need it. And then you're going to get into this bubble of the larges will be the the housers or the the really big problems like the miters or the John Hopkins creating the capability, which is super, super expensive, right? Because yep. not only are you paying for their PhDs and their, you know, their research, right? You're, you're going to die on a vine paying all that money. Well, when I can tell you it's right now, the government is pumping a collective, I think 80 to a hundred million dollars into a capability Santa Maria. That's a supply chain risk management tool that, mm-hmm we already have commercially available between companies from Exeger to Deloitte doing, right? Mm-hmm. But the government now wants to got solution it, you know, let's do it. And it's quadruple, almost eight times the cost mm-hmm. because the government, it's just, gosh, Lojo, we have got to get better. But this, what they're doing with this NIST certification is they're creating a deeper valley of death and simultaneously with increasing the amount of small business participation is they're, they're demeaning the small business. Mm-hmm. They're, they're actually saying, yeah, we want the ones that are going to come in and they're going to pick up the service contracts or the landscaping contracts or the administration process. You know, mm-hmm. They're picking up not what small business has been really great at, which well, has been is- the innovation. Yeah, it, 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 this is, this is, this is it. It, it just becomes really simple ep- economics, right? Um, 
if you have a supply chain that's not willing to be part of your supply chain, <laughs> all right? Yep. Uh, in that way, you're going to constrict the supply, right? Which means now you have uh, a risk because now the other part is, is that if you want to be able to innovate and have capabilities and stuff from there, well, if you only have but just a few suppliers from that, the price of that goes up, right? Yep. And then if it becomes a matter of, look, here's our supplier that probably made it to the you know, most, let's say the most you know, secure state or whichever from that end, right? And you say, hey, they kind of have the luxury. Well, me as a planner for any company product or so from there is not going to price that product low, right? I'm going to price it's... that product at a luxury value, yeah. right? And I'm going to literally shift that curve of, look, I could sell this at this amount more and- Nobody really cares, right? From that, because they still got to buy it. I'm the only supplier for it. Continue on it, and that's that's again on how you end up making this more expensive. More, uh, you know, you, you get rid of the the um, you get the rid competitive of competitiveness and stuff too at that. And so that's why you'll continuously pay more for worse service and pay a not so good product. Whereas you've got innovation every day that's going out to marketplaces right now that you need that you can't get a hand on because let's say a simple, you know, five, 10 controls or so that's there that you haven't been able to express clearly haven't been met by that. And there's no guarantee from the, from for those companies or organizations that, Hey, this is going to be successful from there. It's just, you're just changing the expenditure and you're changing the economics of it. And that's going to be bad, not just for business, but for national security. Oh, and so I was just waiting to go there. I was just waiting to go there, right? Yep. So who has the money to burn, right? So let's let's go back. Um, there was an article, of, uh, Senator Joni Ernst last week or the week before, about how this company, right, a sipper company, got exposed and, and, and realized how the adversary had come in, right? It was a sipper phase one company. And you know what happened, folks? In the valley of death, the, the startup company needed investment because it was taking too long. Our adversaries are sitting right there going, oh, yeah, we've got money. Not a problem. You know, they, and they invested in it. Right. So, of course, you're going to have China, Iran, Russia, our adversaries around the world putting money in front BS companies because no one's doing supply chain risk management. They're not looking and doing it the financial sector, right? Which is where they're, they're coming in, right? It's the easiest way to go. So now they're the U S investors like, listen, I don't, that return on investment isn't going to be meeting my need. Well, this adversarial is like, Oh no, we're willing to risk it. Right. We'll put the money in. We'll go through your cyber phase. We'll go through your NIST phase. Right. And as soon as you get those certifications, right, A, they own the IP, they own the capability, they shut it down, they take it overseas. And we are setting up a, a tsunami with this new NIST accreditation. And I, I, it's like when they did this, they have no idea what they're creating, right? And in 15 years from now, when you and I are speaking Mandarin, mm -hmm. um, to, to communicate, right? It's going to be things like this when you didn't sit back and think of the, the fourth and the fifth order of effects of doing something in a knee-jerk response to being secure. Yep. You got to think the problem through and you should never do it in the bubble of the government. You should talk to industry, listen to the academics, 
but also understand in the room when you create ideas like this, do what I did, right? I pulled in economists, I pulled in CFOs, I pulled in, you know, cost and accounting, I pulled in the, the academic, the technologist, the operator, you got to have them all in the room because ideas are wonderful. And if it was this easy to say NIST sets up an accreditation body and, and go do this, right? Why didn't we do it before? Well, there were a lot of good reasons why not. And you and I just spelled them out. Government doing things has never, ever, well, and I say not never, never, never say never, right? Because we gave the example of Florida's response to, to Hurricane Ian, good, right? But for the most part, when it comes to technology, we're not the best at it. Mm-mm. Industry is. Yep. And we buy it from industry. We should never be the creators of it. Yep. And we should never be the certifiers of it because then the liability. Oh, oh, and then I didn't even think about this, Lojo. So if NIST is doing the software, they're going through and they're accrediting it and there ends up being a vulnerability, then the U.S. government is at fault. Yeah, what do you, what, what do you do, right? Because now you've you said, hey, U.S. government, you know, I certified this. Okay. That's why the AB, the the mm-hmm. CMMC, the Cyber AB, is you can't sue the government. Yep, yep. That's you correct. can't. It's you, an independent you, body. It is. A, it's an independent. Body. And every auditor takes that when they get their license to do it. I mean, that's why it's so stringent. They do all the clearance, background checks, and everything on them. Is huh? they're taking the the fiduciary risk of saying they're compliant. Mm-hmm. they're the ones who are doing it but now we're going to have the government taking that risk yep. it's almost as bad as a dib cloud which yep. is a whole nother it's a whole nother combo yeah. but yeah i mean wow that what a way to end the this right like really is a u.s government so imagine they get a nist certified on their software bill of lading it gets put into the nss the national security systems right it gets a, a, a component part of that and something bad is found. Now, how are you going to hold anybody accountable? Right. You're not. Because they're going to say, you certified this, right? Yep. This is what we did. Nothing different to this, right? Um, you cert. Your government or whichever was operating this at the time. And here you Way go. to go. Right? Clap, 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 clap. You just there paved you the raid to, to more of what we're fighting. What we started this whole conversation is Congress wanted the, the contractors vendors in dib to be responsible for cyber breaches mm-hmm. they wanted a way to pinpoint it we talked about Uber had somebody who tried to hide it right now he's going to jail yep. and and now we've got this it's like guys are we not history is repeating itself let's learn from it mm-hmm. just one time one time <laughs> lojo i love you hey love you too. i just love, love my conversations with you you know and i'm not gonna hold the gray hair against you you know and you notice it guys you, to those on your podcast i can see lojo i'm at the start of this podcast i let lojo see me i didn't have makeup on you know i'm like yeah now you can look at my beautiful picture um through this whole thing but know that this is brought to you with love to you both Lojo and I do this. He started this. This is his baby, his brainchild. I am just along for the ride. But, you know, we hope, and I, I can, I'm going to speak for both of us here, right? We hope that you listening to this, you don't just listen to it. You take what we talk about here, right? And you start your own conversations. Don't let 
the thoughts and the ideas that you're getting from this, listening to, to Lojo and I banter back and forth, not be something you don't take to your executive suite and to your company and to your team. Continue the conversation. You know, don't, don't let um, us be a tower of Babel, right? We're breaking it down so that we can all have this conversation because the only way we're going to solve the problem is the more we communicate about it. And Lojo, you're brilliant for having this platform. I'm always honored to be on it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For anybody listening, y'all need to give Lojo a round of applause in his own, pat his little back, download it, tell your friends to download the podcast. Um, and, and it's just awesome. But it's don't let it be something that you listened to when you were working out and then you don't bring it to bear the rest of the day, right? You gotta take the seed and nurture it and grow it within your own entity, your own company. All right. Yeah, that could not have been a said better. Could not have hey. been better. Um, you know, we, we, we talked about it the other day uh, as far as on, on tax there um, is the people that are listening. That's really, really, um, that's really exciting to me. We have folks who are head of HR. We have folks that are CFOs and stuff too, and companies and organizations that are active listeners and stuff too on this. And, uh, really being able to take anything as far as back, whether it be an idea or an item as far as like, hey, what's the kind of call to action and stuff too that Katie has just laid out. Um, it is important for you guys to go and have those hard discussions. If I, if you're one of the companies that I've talked about where you, where you, you, you have the C-suite discussion and they go immediately to, you know, that we don't have money for that. Let's shift just some leftovers for you and you try to work from that. Um, you need to be sure that you guys are challenging yourselves in those organizations. And then you as practitioners too, uh, who are on here, challenging yourselves to ask good questions and right questions. If something doesn't sound correct in your organization, don't assume that it's because smarter people are coming up with the, the direction that you're going. Uh, assume to make sure to come in and, and, and challenge those directions and to be able to say, here's maybe another plan for you to be able to move forward with. So don't just sit there and nod your head because you might agree or don't, don't agree. You need to go ahead and jump into the conversation about how to better secure your company, your products, our nation's national security, and as well as, well as the strategy and stuff for being able to uh, continue to do you know good diligence for security standpoint and also to your nation. So thank you. Well, on that low, Joe, I'll mention this, right? So you think the Department of Defense, right? One of the joke, one of the things that they, you know, and I was an SES, so I know what I'm talking about, right? People would go into meetings and if the person sitting next to them, sitting next to them used big words and made it sound really complicated, the person that actually knew what the hell they were talking about would get intimidated. They're like, oh, well, I no, that's not how I see it. Listen, I never have walked into a room, not even with my husband thinking that I'm the smartest person in the room. <laughs> there, that's a, that's a life knot, right? <laughs> you never walk into the room thinking that you're the smartest person because you never will be, but never walk into a room. If you are, you know what you're talking about, never be afraid to tell the emperor they got no clothes on. Nodding your head in compliance does not help anybody. If you know, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's a duck. Make sure you say, that's a duck. That is, I don't care if it identifies as a, as a chicken, it's a duck. Mm -hmm. We got to deal with the duck. So don't be that person, right? Don't be 
just nod your head because you're afraid of losing your job or you're afraid of doing they like listen if you are telling the truth in a company and you are openly saying these are the risks these are the costs these are the things and they they want to terminate you you're at the wrong freaking company yep. right i'm sorry but that is not the right fit for you and we have a whole lot of people in this world that have a whole lot of great things to say and i'm i'm going back to the cmmc right and in and, and I don't know if we were recording it or not when I said, you know, I'm amazed every day when I look at FedScoop or LinkedIn and I see CMMC and it's like, oh, I did that, right? Yeah, I was on a podcast and I want to be responsible for the I did that. But know that I didn't do that. You guys did that. Industry did that. A, a, an, an ecosystem of people who cared did that, right? So know that you do have value. And if your company isn't, you know, at the place and time, you know, listen, there's a job people short, people shortage right now, <laughs> especially in our sector, that if where you're at isn't taking you seriously and you know that you, you know what you know, listen, don't just don't sit there and nod, right? Because I'm going to say it and I say it at the end of every podcast with you, national security, what we do in this is very special. We're very unique. We are different than any other industry out there, right? Because there is a young man or a woman who has voluntarily signed up to defend our freedom, our constitution, and our way of life across the world. And when they go to pull the trigger or push the button, their life may depend on it. And you sitting in a room nodding your head because you don't want to make a ripple, their life counts on you being honest and, and forthright about, okay, this is a risk and we need to deal with it. We need to talk about it because a warfighter is depending on us. And it really is that intense, that serious. And you may not think you're that, that big of a piece of the pie. You are, you all are, because it all doesn't work without you because the department of defense, department of Homeland security, CIA, FBI, department of commerce, they don't build anything you do. And I pray every night as my daughter, my son-in-law, my, my, so many family members are in the military. It, it really is you. So take it seriously, folks. And, and don't be, a, you know, a, 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 you know, just nodding your head to, to, to concur. Say what you need to say. Be vocal. God gave you a voice for a reason. All right, guys. Well, thank you. And with that, Katie, right, go ahead and hop off here and enjoy the rest of this day. Guys, you just join us back in um, uh, in uh, um, next week. Uh, we'll have Katie on again, too, uh, to get, come in some of the topics we come, we covered today, but some that we want to illuminate on. And we identified them in this uh, in this series, too. Also, hey, Katie, where are you releasing your, your white paper to? Um, I'm just going to put it on LinkedIn. Okay. I'm going to post it to, and you know what, Lojo, I'll let you um, get it, you know, first and put it out with the podcast that this is, you know, um, when you're get ready to do that, but um, it ain't cheap, right? I, I talked about Ukraine, $10 billion a year um, over, you know, it, uh, it, it's about that, right? And when y'all look at my analysis on cost, you'll get it and you'll say, oh, and I'm urging Congress to put it, to appropriate it and authorize it to go directly to the programs um, this year you know, 10 years, $10 billion over the FIDEP, I think we'll get everybody level set. And then we got to move forward. All right, everyone. Thanks again. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
That's all for this episode of The Lojo Show. We want to thank Katie Arrington for coming on with us today. We have given Katie a platform to give our audience her unfiltered perspective. If you want to help us out, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. If you want to see updates on the series and more content, follow our Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube pages. If you have questions for Katie or want to come on the show, you can send us an email at officiallojoshow at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. With that, we will say goodbye, have a great week, stay safe, and stay secure.